Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoyed this message from Daniel Hayden. It's a sign of a healthy church when sometimes I'll, I'll do that in different places and I'll say, all right, let's shout out Jesus. And you, everyone goes, Jesus. And it's quiet. But I like it when it keeps going because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like it's overflow, overflow, overflow. So let's try one more time. On the count of three, let's just shout out Jesus. And, and then just let's just go with it. One, two, three. It's cool. I was looking at Robin down the back, and she's on the screen. She's doing a great job, but she's got her hands up. She's just like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm getting rocked back here. <laughs> Woo! It's good to just stop and appreciate his presence, take those moments. I encourage you just to do that in your everyday life as well. Just take those moments just to stop and just thank God. Because his presence is here. God doesn't come and go. His Holy Spirit's here with us now, and we honor the Holy Spirit. Amen? We love the Holy Spirit. We're in for a good morning. Why don't you say the person next to you, we're in for a good morning. It's already started. (laughs) Jess and Chris, can you guys come up? Let's give them a round of applause as they come up. We've got a praise report for you. We're in a place called Narandera. Hands up if you have heard of Narandera. I'm surprised. So many people. I hadn't heard of it until I went there. It's a, a... Farming town, country town in regional New South Wales, and uh, we were invited there to go and speak at a conference that they put on, and uh, not a huge population, but we were quite uh, encouraged, weren't we? There was like 300 people at least that were gathered together in uh, this country town called Narandra. Uh, it's a CRC church, and it was the, their 50th anniversary, so the church had been going for 50 years. And uh, so it was a real honor, actually, to go and speak and uh, to minister. Jess and Chris came with me, uh, and a- another friend of mine, Anton, as well. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Saw a whole bunch of people saved. Uh, there's some really cool things that happened, actually. But one of the things that really blessed my heart was just seeing an, an established church in a place like that that had been going 
faithfully and successfully for 50 years. Uh, I think there were a few people that had been there all the way through. The church had only had three senior pastors. And uh, Pastor Chaz was the uh, founder. He, he had passed away, but the other two were still alive. And it was just awesome to see them talk so fondly of one another and uh, talk about the history. And then I got to the great privilege of praying for a whole bunch of members that were celebrated and gave them certificates because they'd been there for 30 years, faithfully planted and serving in the local church for 30 years. And uh, a number of them had, had been born into the church and grown up. And I'm and, um, like... I love what we're doing here, it's, but it's, so, it's such a baby still, you know, we're 60 years old and I'm thinking, I can't wait to sit back at 91 years of age, 50 years and, you know, might have a grey beard, I wonder if I'll still have the dreadlocks, not sure, not sure, might cut them off by then, we'll see, what do you reckon James? Keep them? <laughs> uh, I'd, let's praise report, give us a highlight bro. Yeah, so a uh, uh, highlight for me was I'm just, you know, learning to hear from God and, and you know, what, operating words and knowledge. And on the Friday night leading up to the service, I was just asking God for if, if there was any particular words that he wanted to give me. And I just heard two words, uh, lymph nodes. And uh, I didn't actually know what they were. So I was kind of like, I started freaking out, getting nervous because I was like, God, I don't, are you sure? And he said, lymph nodes. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's real. I think lymph might be a body part, but I don't know. So then I thought, oh, I know, I'll consult, you know, the prophet Google. Um, but then God said, don't do that. <laughs> Take a risk. So I was like, oh, man. So we got to, it comes to the service and we're up here. And the mic comes to me and I'm so nervous because I feel like a fool. I'm like, everyone, this is going to go so badly. And uh, I call out lymph nodes, and it's so quiet. The room is just, not a hand goes up. And I turn to Jess, I go, it is a real thing, yeah? And she's like, yeah, it's, it's real. And then I'm seeing in my mind the neck area. So I clarify it, and I say, I feel like it's, it's, it's lymph nodes, but something to do with the neck. I'm not sure what it is. And this guy's hand goes up at the back. And I go, oh, is it you? And he said, no, it's not me, but it's my mum. She has a serious infection in her lymph nodes in her neck. Uh, it's caused it to swell up. It's, like, it's similar to the mumps where it's, it's swollen and hard. So uh, as a church, we just prayed for his mum. Uh, and as it turned out, his mum's name was, was Gwen, and my mum's name is Gwen. Uh, so we, uh, we got a real kick out of that. And uh, then the next day, he comes up to me uh, in the morning, and he's so excited. He says, hey, I went home and told my mom, and the swelling actually started to go down, because she wasn't at the service, right? And the swelling started to go down overnight. So in that morning, it had already gone down. And he said, she's going to be here this afternoon. I want you to meet her. And as he's telling me this, I then hear a second word where God tells me, when you meet her, ask her about her knee. So then that afternoon, I get to meet her. And uh, she's so excited. She's she looks normal. Seriously, she's saying all the swelling went down. She's poking it, you know. She's like, this was hard a moment, like yesterday. And then I go, well, hey, is there anything going on with your knee? And I actually couldn't see because she was sitting, but behind her, her chair was a cane. And she lifted it up. And she's like, yep, got a serious condition in my, my knee. And I said, is it your, your ligament? Oh, sorry, uh, whatever, cartilage. <laughs> cartilage. And she's like, yep, the cartilage and the ligament. So I got to pray for her for that. And then later that night at the next service, she comes up to me. This time, she's not, she doesn't even have her cane. And she's sharing me saying, I couldn't walk before without my cane without falling down. And it's so good because then I got to see her the next service the next day and she was still walking without her cane and the swelling had gone. 
And so I'm proud of these guys. And um, it, it was interesting stepping out in faith like that in, a, in an environment where we don't really know anybody here. Uh, it's family, so we, you, know, you can take risks and maybe it's not as nerve-wracking, but they're in a totally new area. Country town, a little, even by their own admission, a little more reserved and conservative and uh, maybe not as familiar with the supernatural. By the way, does any hands up if you've heard or you know what a word of knowledge is? You understand that term? It, it, it's uh, found in the book of Corinthians, actually, chapter 12 and chapter 14, talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and 13, actually. Uh, and so it's one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural revelation given from God. So it was great seeing God reveal something. And we knew that, and Chris touched on it, but we knew that it was no coincidence that the only person, 300 people put their hand up, their mum's name was the same as Chris's mum's name. It was just that language of the Spirit that would maybe for some seem to be an unusual coincidence. We knew that was actually confirmation that the Holy Spirit was on it. And uh, that encouraged us to pray the prayer of faith and then to see that result. So not only was there revealing, but then there was the healing. And uh, it was powerful. So let's give Jesus some praise for that. Jess. So one of my favorite things that happened was on, I think it was the second night, and we called out like um, depression and anxiety. And you could just see, like there was one girl in the front that I was watching because she kept looking like she wanted to stand up, but stopping herself. And I was just watching her as she kept doing this. And the, it took a moment, but then one guy stood up. And after he stood up, a lot of people then became got bold because of that and about 20 people stood up including this girl that I've been watching right down the front and we called out other words as well and then about half the people in the room were then standing for various things um, and we then had the whole church pray for pray for each other which is something that they didn't seem to be like used like used to doing like we are here but it was just beautiful seeing them all pray for each other. And I went down and prayed for that girl that I'd been watching. And I just saw the tears streaming down her face as she, like, encountered that freedom from something that she'd clearly been struggling with for a while. So, Glory to God. So um, the pastor of the church, yeah, let's give these guys a round of applause. The, pa the pastor of the church is such a genuine gift uh, in terms of the pastoral gift. And you can see that in operation. But not only in the church with... Uh, his community that he's leading and some other um, church plants that he's leading as well. But also with the town in general, we just watched him operate. They did this street party, blocked the street off, and uh, they were just reaching out to the different business leaders and different people in the community. And it's like he's a pastor of the whole town, uh, even people that aren't saved. He's pastoring them and mentoring them and helping them and has such a great uh, respect in the town. And as a result of that, reputation that he's developed over the years because of the the fact that it was a 50-year anniversary a number of people that were unsaved but like key people in the town come along like the mayor some other politicians the principal of the school local schools some various people that came into that environment on the Saturday night and uh, seeing things like this happen people getting uh, rocked and touched and healed by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, I got to connect with uh, one of the neighboring businesses of the church and uh, they, they own quite a big chunk of the, of the street in the town, which is interesting. And they actually uh, rent uh, one, of, one of their buildings to uh, a man who runs a gym through this particular building. And he's also a boxing coach, gets people in off the streets, 
young kids, he's got a heart to help people, and he's not saved yet, but he's got a heart to help people and, and gets people in, trains them in, in the foundations um, or the fundamentals of boxing and just teaches them disciplines and healthy living and different things like that. And uh, he just, he was a really nice guy. Anyway, he came along because just to celebrate the, the 50 year celebration. And uh, man, I could, I could just, I, feel, I felt myself being drawn to him when I'm preaching. I could tell God was going after him. And he was one of the, a number of people that actually responded to the altar call. He was just there to celebrate the 50 years, but he ended up hearing the gospel, hearing uh, my testimony and he got saved. And, and I found out that the the community had really, the church community had been really praying for him and a number of other people, key people that they'd been praying for were there and got touched by the power of God. So, and I've been thinking, Pastor Alex, we're, we're really doing some great things. We're a local church, but, you know, we're reaching out now to the Philippines, Nicaragua with um, Gabe and Charity. And we just had Ash and Roz, who are key missionaries that we support in Mozambique and Africa. Of course, Pastor Frank is not here today. He's preaching, but he constantly going to the indigenous communities. Uh, and, of course, Awakening, we're hitting Europe and, and Australia. So uh, it's, it's really interesting what God's doing. And when you kind of stop and think about all of the, the different things that this family's involved in, I think it's amazing. So let's give Jesus some praise for that. I want to get in, give you some scripture today. We love the Bible. Hands up if you love the Bible. Awesome. A few people didn't put their hands up. Pastor Alex? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we love the Bible, so we're going to get into the Bible today. Uh, I want to give you some scripture because I want to I want to just talk to you about something that God's been talking to me about personally, and just convicting me in a particular area. Uh, not not so much because I'm doing anything wrong, but just looking, uh, causing me to look at a certain area. And wants, to, wants me to bring more of an emphasis into a certain area. So hopefully you get, you get the gist of, uh, of this message and the heart of God in particular. So I'm going to give you four points today. The, the title of the message is Compassion to Action Specifically for the Poor. Okay, so we, we don't just want to be a spiritual people that pray and, and declare things. All that stuff's wonderful and, and uh, we have Bible studies together and, and we have a great family and community. But we want to be people that are people of action, not just hearers of the word only, deceiving ourselves, but be ye doers of the word of God. Amen? So compassion to action, and specifically the context today, and an area that I feel God wants us to zoom in on, is for the poor. Okay? So one of the reasons we're hitting the Philippines is because we just love the Philippines, but also because there's some poor and broken people there, and we want to reach out to those people. I believe that we have a responsibility as Christians, but also as a Western nation that's blessed to think about other nations that are really broken and really poor. Did you know, even in our nation, people that are on Centrelink, that are unemployed on welfare benefits, they are still in our nation in the top percentage of blessed people in terms of the world population. So we're in a really, really great place. We've been born in a great place. And I believe as a result of that, we have a responsibility as people, but also certainly as Christians. So the first point that I want to bring up today, and by the way, there's a guy here, a great friend of mine named James. James, do you want to stand up? You'll find out a little, a little later in the message 
uh, why he's here. It's great to have you here. Actually, one of my I've, over the last four years, I've been able to reach out. I looked at my passport yesterday, and there's at least 20 nations that I've been able to go into and minister the gospel over the last four years. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's wonderful to be able to go to different places and, and preach the gospel and see God move. But one of my favorite times was with James. Uh, we went into Indonesia, which I'm going to talk about a little bit further in this message. But we went into Indonesia and just saw God do some extraordinary things in, in one of the most poor, broken areas in Indonesia, a predominantly a Muslim nation. We even got to go into a, a Muslim home and pray for the sick. And, uh, and we got to bless one of the local churches there uh, that actually hosts a compassion uh, ministry. And uh, it was a wonderful time. God really rocked. Uh, the church and the leaders and people that were involved in, in the Compassion uh, organization and ministry. And uh, the Holy Spirit really fell at one point. Almost everyone in that church was on the ground weeping and trembling under the power of the Holy Spirit. And James and I are looking at each other going, man, this is awesome. Whatever's happening here, it's awesome. More God. And then uh, a young girl got healed. She was deaf. She'd been deaf in her, I think it was her right ear from birth. And uh, her right ear opened up. Uh, in front of everyone, in front of the mum and dad and, uh, and people in the, in the church. And it was just a great time. So I'm going to talk about that a little further because I want to go back into Indonesia in 2020. But this time, I want to take a whole bunch of us uh, from Fire Church. So last night, I was at our Hawthorne location preaching this very message that God's put on my heart. Uh, today, here in Seaford, and then straight after this service, I shoot over to our Gippsland location and preach the same message and uh, it's I really want to hopefully inspire people rally the troops we'll get a whole bunch of us a big team and we'll head over to Indonesia so we've got Philippines coming up next year we're going to hit Indonesia we'll probably hit Philippines again next year and uh, Nicaragua with Gabe and Charity and we're going to hit some other places as well so who likes going on mission trips if you don't then I'd encourage you to um, have a listen to this message and then uh, maybe hopefully I'll inspire you to be a part of the next one so number one, this is the first point, compassion to action for the poor. It's love and compassion from God that moves us into action. If you're making notes, I'd encourage you to make notes. It's a great way to learn and to retain information, revelation, to renew your mind, to continue in this transformation process, to even to study it out during the week, to take it back to the Word of God. And let God speak to you personally about what was taught on the Sunday. It's a great way to honor the, the word as well, is to really take notes, study it, not take it for granted. We love the scriptures, we love the Bible, and it's really important. Even if you've heard certain aspects of it before, or even if you are already aware of certain things that are going to be taught today, the word is alive and active. And so it doesn't matter if you've heard the scripture once, twice, five times, ten times, if you'll continue to remain hungry, humble, teachable. Uh, God will continue to build you up and grow you and mature you as a disciple of Christ. Amen? So number one, it's love and compassion from God that moves us into action. I think about Jesus, and of course I love looking at the life of Jesus, particularly uh, in his 33 years when he was when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Of course, Jesus is God. Hopefully you know that. To be really a Christian, you must believe that Jesus is God. Jehovah Witnesses don't believe that. That's why it's a counterfeit Jesus. Mormons don't believe that. It's a counterfeit Jesus. Uh, but a Christian uh, should believe, hopefully, um, that Jesus is God. So he was fully God, but while he walked the earth, he was also fully man. The Bible says he was tempted with it in every way. 
but he did not sin. He was sinless. So he was perfect. So here's the example that we should look to. And when we read the Gospels, we look at Jesus and we don't say, we shouldn't be thinking, oh, that was Jesus and he's fully God. So that was just him. And I, I, I can't you know, be like that. He, he wants us to look at him and imitate him. Paul understood that. That's why Paul said when he was teaching the church, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Amen? He wants all of us to imitate the life of Jesus. Let him be the marker. Probably none of us are there yet. In fact, I'd confidently say none of us are there. But the Bible says we're destined to be conformed into the image of Christ. It's part of our destiny is to continue to grow in maturity, to have our minds renewed, to have maybe old soul patterns renewed, to line up with what's happened in the spirit When you got born again, you became a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We were once sinners. We were dead in our transgressions. We were even enemies of God, whether you realize it or not. You were blinded by the God of this world, little g, blinded by the devil. But when you became born again, you became a partaker of his divine nature. That's what's happened on the inside, the inner man, the real you. Amen. If you're with me on that, just please shout out amen. Amen Amen means so be it. We believe it, so be it. Amen. That's who we are. So it's important that we know that so that we can live it. Amen. We can live it out. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is to do what Jesus did, and that was love on the poor. But it must come from God. The royal commandment, who can tell me what the royal commandment is? Just shout it out if you know it. Yeah, love God with, how much do we love God with? Oh, every aspect of who we are, every thought, every, all of our strength, soul, every, every part of us, we should love God. Amen? And then it goes on to say, and love your neighbor as you love yourself or another way to say it is simply love God with everything and love people with everything but the the order of the royal commandment is is important and it states to love God first and the world tries to define love but it's often in fact nearly always the wrong definition of what love is God is the author of love and he's the one that defines love. In fact, the Bible says that God is love. So when we want to love people, we have to know the love of God because we have to know how to love people and it's through him. It's a pure love. It's a holy love. It's a perfect love with perfect motive and perfect intention. Amen? And when we love God, he fills us with his love so and gives us the ability on his behalf to love others. Now, I, I celebrate anybody in this world that does something good for someone else. I think it's great. Even non-Christians that are helping, involved in various charities, I think it's great. You can't knock someone that's doing something good. But I want to tell you, without God, if it's just helping someone in this earth, that fruit will pass away. It doesn't have eternal value. But when you love somebody and help somebody and when you're moved with compassion just like Jesus was, you bear fruit in this life and the one to come. It has eternal value. When you help somebody 
with the gospel, when you love somebody, when you help the poor with the gospel, it's a seed planted in their heart that hopefully will turn into repentance because the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance and cause them to give their life to Jesus, be in relationship in this life, and have eternal life and live with God forever and ever. That's ultimately what this is about. Amen? Yeah. Let's open our Bibles up to Matthew 9.36. Matthew 9.36. We're still learning. Still getting there. But when he saw, who's he? But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. You'll see the author of um, the God, this actually that statement is in a number of places in the Gospels. Jesus was moved with compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We also know the Bible says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. How many people remember that? Jesus, he said, I do what I see the Father doing. How did he know what the Father was doing? Was it because he's fully God and he's in unity as part of the Trinity? Maybe part of that is, is correct, but I also believe it's because he made time to be with the Father. He got away from the crowds. He got away from the stuff, even the good stuff. He got away from the busyness. Not forever, but he took time away. He installed discipline into his life to get away so that he could be on the mountain with the Father in the secret place. And he spent time in fellowship with the Father. And I believe in those places, because he's fully man, in those places, he heard the heartbeat of God. And when he come down from the mountain, it's like compassion was stirred up in him. He'd been refreshed, revived, and he came down from the mountain and he went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil, moved with compassion to help people. Amen? And I believe we, look, we should look at that as an example for our life. If Jesus needed to do that, then how much should we? So everything that we do that's good really should flow from a place of pure love and relationship with the Father. It should flow from intimacy. And that's why it's my first point in this message in terms of compassion to action for the poor. I've purposely started with this first point because everything really, if you want it to flow in a pure way, like a holy river, it's got to flow from a place of intimacy and love with the Father. And if you're with me on that, shout out amen. amen. Point number two. I like this one because I'm hungry for revival. I'm a student of revival. I want to see great outpourings in our region. And, uh, and so I like studying revival to see why certain things happened at certain times. I believe that we can study things and find keys and say, well, God, if you did it then, you can do it now. Who's with me on that? Acts chapter 10 talks about a, a man named Cornelius. And 
something really special happened in the early church during this time, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 10. God, we know, had poured out His Spirit in, in the beginning of the fulfillment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that many of the Old Testament prophets spoke of. Acts chapter 2 is a great example of that. They were in the upper room, 120 people were gathered. They were in one accord, one heart, and they prayed, and then God poured out His Spirit, and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We can see there's other occasions that that took place in the Bible as well. And Acts chapter 10 talks about a man named Cornelius. And in this chapter, God pours out His Spirit on the Gentile people for the first time establishing the early church amongst the Gentile people and he pours out his spirit, revival breaks out uh, amongst Cornelius and his family for the very first time amongst the Gentile people, so the non-Jewish people. A very, very special occurrence took place. And so if you study the details, you'll find that there's a few key things that are really important that caught the attention of heaven. And Acts chapter 10, verse 4, that's the one I want to take us to. Acts chapter 10, verse 4. Cornelius stared at him in fear. He's staring at an angel right now. And Cornelius said, what is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So this is just before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the Gentile people. An angel appears to Cornelius. And Cornelius is like, whoa, what is it, Lord? I think he maybe thought it was God. He said, what is it, Lord? But it was an angel. The angel said, your prayers and your gifts to the poor has come up as a memorial, or in other words, has come up and caught the attention of heaven. Remember, the Bible says that God's eyes go to and fro throughout the earth looking for hearts that are perfect towards Him. So I believe God's eyes, He's like, I want to pour out my spirit on the Gentile people. What vessel, what area, who am I going to use? Saw Cornelius. Saw that Cornelius was a praying man. He was also fasting during that period. So he was hungry to see God move. And also saw that Cornelius shared God's heart. They shared hearts. They had the same heart for the poor. And his gifts caught the attention of heaven. He was giving because he loved God and wanted to bless the poor. And as a result, that caught the attention of heaven. And there was revival amongst the Gentile people for the first time. Isn't that awesome? Let's give God some praise for that. God wants us to study these details because they're keys. For him doing it again. Everyone say, do it again, God. God. Number three. And this is the one that I must say personally, this is the arrow that's been hitting me of late. This is the, um, the, the sword, I should say, that cuts through to the heart. You know, is sharper. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides through all the flesh and everything else and gets right through to the heart. And this one got me. We have a responsibility. And uh, sometimes as Christians, we avoid responsibility. And even sometimes, I've got my daughter Esther here today, but children sometimes want to avoid responsibility. But as we grow up, we realize 
We can't avoid responsibility. We have to have responsibility. Amen? And so as disciples of Christ, as children of God, we need to understand as we grow up, He's going to reveal to us that we have a responsibility. And I want to talk about that right now. And I'm going to use Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. I love this. I'm not going to get old. I'm not growing old. Oh, sorry, I'm not growing tired of that cheer for the word. Galatians 2.9. Thank you, Jesus. We love your word. We love your word, God. That's why we celebrate and cheer. We love, we love it, we love it, we love it. We never, ever, ever grow tired of it or take it for granted. The martyrs, even in more modern times, have have even shed their blood so that we could have the scriptures in our, our language and the fights that have taken place and the battles, our forefathers that have gone before us so that we can have the scriptures today. That's why we celebrate, God. We love your word. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. So Galatians 2.9, James, Cephas, and John... Actually, before I read it, I just a quick little bit of context. Again, it's, this scripture is about the establishment of the early church, particularly with the Gentile people, again, the non-Jewish people. The 12 apostles here recognize the grace on Paul and Barnabas, recognize the apostolic grace on Paul and Barnabas. Now, the tw- for those that maybe have some questions around the gifts of the Spirit being for today or uh, the fivefold gift, maybe you've heard that term fivefold, it comes from Ephesians chapter 4, 11. When God ascended on high, He gave gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. That's ascension ministry gifts. Not replacing, so apostles today are, are needed but they don't replace the 12 apostles of the Lamb, nor do they have the same authority in being able to write Scripture uh, or we don't add to the revelation of the Bible. But the gift of the apostolic is important with, you know, in terms of leadership, the pioneer spirit being sent out um, as a missionary, planning churches, overseeing churches, leading, um, mentoring and raising up young Timothys and Tituses. All of that, that grace and that gifting is still needed for today. And Paul and Barnabas are a great example of not, they weren't the 12, but they were ascension ministry apostles. And actually Acts chapter 14 verse 14 clearly notes them as being apostles. And here we see in this verse, uh, some of the 12, like we see James and John, they recognized the grace on them and and they recognized that they wanted to uh, release them and send them out to go and preach and establish the early church with the Gentile people. And there's a very, very important thing that they said to uh, Barnabas and to Paul before they released them. And this is what got me. This part got me. And this is probably the main reason that I'm preaching this today. So I hope this gets you as well. You ready? James, Cephas and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. This is Paul writing, by the way. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, circumcised meaning the Jewish people. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. 
So as they sent them out and they gave them their blessing and endorsement, they said, all that we ask in the busyness of ministry and everything else that you're doing, that you would remember the poor. And I want to echo those words that in the busyness of what we're doing, all the amazing stuff we're doing in Europe, here in Australia, in these blessed nations, we must not forget, we must remember the poor, amen? Because we have a responsibility. This is my last point, number four. When we help the poor, it's a form of worship unto God. When we help the poor, it's a form of worship unto God. Worship is not, hopefully most of you know this now, worship should be a lifestyle. We worship God in everything that we do. Music is a fun way to do it. It's not the only way. I'm a worship leader with music, so of course I love it. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But it's not just with music. In fact, the Bible tells us that when we love the poor, it's a form of worship under God. In Proverbs 14.31... It says, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their master. And this is the part I want you to get. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. We're actually honoring God. And Jesus said, what you do unto the least of these you do unto me. So when we do things for the least, for the poor, for the broken, for the underprivileged, we're actually doing it unto God and it's a form of worship. So what, what I want to do is quickly recap, for time's sake, I'm going to fly through it because I've got something important to show you now. But number one, it's love and compassion from God that moves us into action. Number two, helping the poor attracts the attention of heaven. We talked about the, the example of Cornelius. Number three, we have a responsibility. We talked about the establishment of the early church and the, the apostles said to Barnabas and James before they went out to minister to the Gentiles, they said, we just ask that you don't forget the poor. We have a responsibility as a church, amen? And number four, finally, when we help the poor, it's actually a form of worship under God. We're honoring God in it. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.